hello. I have got my cup of caffeine ready for another podcast episode. Hey, first, let me say thank you all for being here. I'm so excited that you're here and that you join me every week. Last week, we did a bonus episode and super excited that you're all joining me on our overly caffeinated member community. I want to give a quick shout out to Jeff T and Mary L and I'm going by usernames here, big glasses and big cups of coffee. Love your username. It's amazing. Good to see you on there. Thank you for joining. When we hit 250, we are sending out special prizes for the first 250. So get in. It's going to be just a nice little something away for us to say thank you. And if you're wondering what the overly caffeinated community is, think of it as the companion to this podcast, Coffee with Tamara, but also a little bit more, actually a lot more. So this is where you can be a patron of the arts, where you can support our podcast, the effort, the time, the energy, the money that we put into it. And by we, I mean me and then the production team. The time and energy it takes me to research and review and map out and find amazing people to interview and do the interviews. So this is your way of supporting, but also you get exclusive content and connection and the parts of the podcast, the behind the scenes and the parts that we don't air just because we run out of time, but people say such good shit that we don't want to just lose it. All that is on the overly caffeinated community. So for just the low price of $10 a month, you can be a part of all that. Think of it as like taking all this to the next level, but also in a super fun way. All right, speaking of fun, let's talk about the brain because I think talking about the brain is actually fun. And this week's episode is all about your brain's betrayal. Dun, dun, dun. Unmasking the change saboteurs. That's just a good word to say inside of you. So I'm hearing a lot for people who are tired of change, exhausted from change, finding themselves in more resistance to change than they've ever been, yet having to deal with it more and more. And that change can come from things internally that you want to do. Maybe you have a goal or a vision or just something that you want to achieve. And in order to get there, you got to make changes. Or maybe it's in your organization. Maybe what you're asked to do to be successful is different than what it was yesterday, or your job has changed, or the organizational structure, what the organization itself needs to be successful has changed or is changing. Or maybe it's just all the change in the world that we're dealing with. Uh, Here's what I find. When you think about it from those three perspectives, change, all of us are dealing dealing with it from a lot of different layers. We're dealing with it from the inside out and we're dealing with it from the outside in. And some of that is in our control and close in and a lot of it is not. So it's no no wonder I'm seeing more and more change fatigue than I ever have. But the brain fucks with us. So let's talk about what it is that keeps us in place. Now, this podcast is going to be very much about the personal side of change and the changes that we want to make. And like I said, maybe that's you want to take your business to the next level. Maybe you want to leap and start your own business. Maybe you have this nugget of an idea that you really want to pursue. Maybe you want a promotion 
at work or you want to take on a different role at work and have a stronger voice, whatever that change is, this podcast is about you and understanding how your brain works so that you can make the changes you need to make. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I am a work in progress. So some of these things I've elevated and changed and helped move forward and others I'm definitely, I've made progress, but I'm definitely working on. And that's how I know that they are such big things for us. And I've spent a lot of time, particularly in the last couple of months, helping other people through these in different workshops and other ways. But I wanted to bring it out to you all, to the podcast community that is amazing so that together we can move through these things. So here's what I want to talk about, just to give you a highlight. I want to talk about your thermostat. I want to talk about two fears that align with our thermostat, which is fear of hard work, I know, and fear of the unknown. And then I want to talk about the mental traps that keep us in place, mental games, mental residue, and mental sewers. And then I want to close out with a little thing that we don't talk enough about, which is fear of success. I know, right? We always talk about fear of failure, but I find the thing that actually holds us in place isn't fear of failure. It's actually fear of success. All right, let me get a little caffeine and then let us dig in. Okay, I want to start with the thermostat. I had this conversation with someone who was on my podcast. In fact, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, the, the interview we released, and she was talking about the set point. And then I was listening to the Ed Milet podcast, which I absolutely love. If you don't listen to him yet, go listen. It's a great one. In fact, I'll put the link to this episode. It was kind of one of his one-off where he monologues for a little while. And he was talking about the thermostat. So I want to talk about this. So let's let's think about this. We all have this thermostat inside of us. And that thermostat is our kind of our set point. And when that thermostat is off, we try to go back to it. And so whether we are too low or too high relative to the thermostat, we're trying to get back to it. It is exactly like the thermostat in your house. So if your thermostat in your house is set to 72, but it's 64 outside, right? It's going to turn on a little bit of heat to get us up to 72. But if it's 88 outside and it has to cool it a little bit, right? It's going to bring it down to 72. Well, that's what's happening inside of us. And it sets our beliefs and it definitely sets our actions and our habits and our behaviors. But here's what I find super interesting. And I I realized this the other day when I had my air conditioning on for too long. Now, I love to sleep super cold. If it were up to me, I'd sleep in like an ice box under lots of covers, but it would be icy cold all year round in my in my house. It's kind of funny because when people come over, they know to wear a sweater because I always like it cold. But here's the thing. Oftentimes in our houses, that thermostat is set appropriately, meaning at a comfortable place, it's the right place for us to thrive, right? To not be too tired, not be too cold. Like it's in the right place. But the other day I realized, so it had gotten really cold outside, but I still had the AC on. And so my AC was getting all wonky because like the temperature outside, it it didn't need, I didn't need the AC, but I had it on anyway. So my house was at 67 degrees, but guess what? It was 68 outside. So I didn't even need it on. Now, why do I mention that? Because that's a roundabout way of saying, just because our thermostat is set to something 
doesn't mean it's the best thing for us. So here's the challenge. Let's say your internal thermostat is set to 75, whatever that means for you. If you have a year, you have actions and behaviors that are down at 68, well, that's great because it'll get you back up to 75. But if you have opportunities or paths in front of you that could get you to 100, your thermostat on the inside is going to start messing with you and bringing you back down to 75. So that's your brain betraying you and sabotaging your efforts. So we got to figure out not how to combat our thermostat and try to fight it, but actually how do we how do we up it? How do we take a thermostat that's at 75, which is maybe where we are today, and actually make it 85 so that we can move up and up and up and achieve the things that we want to achieve? I know for me personally in my life that there have been times when I have absolutely taken myself out of the running for a job or an opportunity because my internal thermostat was fucking with me. It was keeping me down because this opportunity was bigger than where I was today. And my beliefs and my mindset got in the way. And, you know, our self-perception shapes our beliefs. It shapes our abilities, our worth, and what we think our potential is. So if our set point is lower than the opportunities in front of us, we're going to sabotage our, ourselves and push ourselves back. So in this one instance, this one opportunity, here's what I did to sabotage. I didn't really go for it. So I put together, it's this huge opportunity to work with this company. And I definitely would have had to stretch myself to get it, but I was capable. So what do I do? Well, I put together a proposal that's fine, good enough. I didn't go the extra mile to do the things I could have done to try to really win them over and build the relationship. Like I could have sent them a, like this super awesome innovation box with these kind of idea starters in them that would have totally won them over and gotten the business, by the way. But I didn't. And then I would tell myself, well, I don't care. Like I didn't care anyway. Right. Not trying is self-sabotaging and taking your thermostat, thermostat back to your point. So I think to get over this or to overcome it, we really have to think about what are our beliefs? What really are our beliefs that are at that 75 level or 85, whatever it is for you, that's not where we want it to be. The, what are our beliefs that are actually preventing us from striving for better outcomes? What are our beliefs that keep us at that mediocre place or whatever the place that we do not want to be at anymore? I know I'm doing a lot of work on this. I hope you'll do it with me, especially in the overly caffeinated community. I think this is a discussion that we need to have in there about what are our 75 thermostat beliefs, right? We're neither cold, we're neither hot, we're just there. We're at 75. And how do we change them? I think we really got to assess our beliefs because those limiting beliefs is where our self-sabotaging thoughts come from. It's what keeps us in our comfort zone. It what keeps us from not going for it or thinking we're not worthy of it. So we got to break through that ceiling that we struggle with so that we can move up. So I would absolutely take a moment to say, well, all right, what are my beliefs? What are my 75 beliefs? All right, well, what would I believe if I were at 85, at 95? What would I do? How would I behave? How would I, how would I act? I find that it's circular. So I know it starts with beliefs and then it moves into actions, but sometimes I need to do the actions to really reinforce the beliefs I want. I'll give you a small example of what I mean. 
ages ago, I believed that someone who was super organized and super successful made their bed in the morning. And I was a messy kid. So when I was a kid, I never, I never made my bed in the morning. My poor parents. I'm sorry, Iman Abba. I'm sorry. I get it now. <laughs> I get it. But I, I didn't. So one day I was like, all right, I want to, I, I want to up my thermostat. I want to be that successful person in the area that I wanted. So what does that successful person do? Well, they make their bed. They, they do all these things, right? So I started making my bed. And as I started making my bed every morning, I was reinforcing my belief. I don't think we can change our beliefs without changing our actions to reinforce it as well. That's been my experience. And if you have otherwise, I'd be happy to hear it. So we got to look at our beliefs. We got to decide what we want. We can't just create a vacuum. And then I think it's about creating actions that reinforce, reinforce until it finally becomes part of our identity. I also think that there are two fears that keep our thermostat where it is, fear of hard work and fear of the unknown. So there's this great quote, and I don't know who said it. I've seen it on pictures of everyone from Tom Brady to The Rock to Oprah. So I'm not sure who actually said it, but it says this, we all must suffer one of two things, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Here's where I think our brain betrays us and this fear of hard work. I think we are so conditioned to get ourselves out of discomfort, which is the pain of discipline, that we don't do it. We don't do the hard work it would take to go from our thermostat level of 75 to our thermostat level of 85, 95, 208, whatever it is for you. So we like to feel good. Our brain likes to feel good. It doesn't like discomfort. So what do we do? We avoid the hard work. We avoid the discipline. We come up with excuse after excuse after excuse to not do it. I can be the master procrastinator if I need to be. And what's funny about it is people would say to me, oh, tomorrow, what do you mean? You get so much done in a day. Yeah, that's true. And I'm getting, I'm much better about this now than I used to be. But you would find me if there was something really hard I had to get to. This is what I used to do. I don't do this anymore. I would find other things I quote unquote had to do before I got to the discipline or the, the hard work that was going to up my thermostat. So let's say in order for me to up my thermostat, it meant I had to start cold calling because I really needed to grow. I wanted to grow my business. Actually, I'm not going to give you a theory. I'm going to tell you something. Happened. This was probably, oh, maybe five years ago. So that was exactly that. I needed and wanted desperately to take my business to the next level. I was, I kept hitting this one ceiling over and over and over again, right? My thermostat was at a certain level. And in order to do that, I had to put myself out there in a way I wasn't used to. And one of those was making cold calls. And I've actually, I love sales. I've learned to love it. But at the time I really feared the cold call. And this was long before email was, and text was like the predominant I think five years ago, we still picked up the phone and called people, but I was so afraid of doing it. So I get up in the morning, I get to my desk and I'd have my list. I even had my list of people, phone numbers, everything. I had a script, what I was going to say to them. And suddenly, let me just respond to those two emails. Oh, let me just uh, do the laundry real quick. Oh, let me just finish this presentation for a moment. It was like, I could find a million other things to do that were all important and all needed to get done. But really what I was doing was avoiding the pain of the hard work of being uncomfortable. So our brains are hardwired to make us feel good 
It wants us to feel good. It wants to avoid pain. Humans, we like to avoid pain at all costs. The problem is we're not actually avoiding it. We're just delaying it and the pain comes later. So one week after not making these phone calls, my business didn't change. And now I've got the pain of regret. It's Friday and I'm hustling, trying to squeeze them all in because I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. I've done a few here and there, but I haven't really done it. And that pain of regret sets in. And this really, when I had that experience, this quote, right, we must suffer one of two things really, really got to me when I first saw it, because I realized what I was doing. I wasn't avoiding pain. I was actually delaying it. And I just didn't realize it. So that next week, you better believe I made a change. And here was the cool part about it, by the way. I'd get up. I would, by the way, I've always worked from home, but I, I'd get up, I would get dressed like I was going into an office. So, you know, if I was in clothing that made me feel good, my makeup was on, my hair was done, I felt more confident. And I started dialing for dollars every morning. And here was the cool part. I didn't get a yes from everybody. They Not every call went well, but I started to feel better and better about myself. And it was uncomfortable. And there were moments I didn't like it. And then sometimes I get, but then it started to change. And then I'd get to 10 calls and I'd be like, yeah, let's get two more in. Like I got excited for it. I learned to love outreach because, hey, people should know about what I do. They should know about whatever it is you want to put out into the world. But again, I think it's this fear of the hard work that keeps us in place and our thermostat in place. Because in order for our thermostat to go up, just like it does in our house, right? It has to, in our house, it has to blow air. Well, we have to work hard. And we have a little bit of fear on that. So I really want you to take away this, that it's either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And re regret is the worst pain. I think we can probably all agree to that. And it's not a really avoiding, it's actually just delaying the pain. So just get to it. All right, the second fear, I think is the fear of unknown. I think uh, the fear of unknown often leads to excessive rumination and worry, like the imagination takes over and it's like, oh my gosh, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What if I fail? What if I succeed? And that causes, I think, a lot of mental distress and sabotages our decision-making. So anxiety and overthinking sets in when we don't know what's coming. How many of you have had something that you've been super worried about that never came true. Yeah, probably like 90% of the time, right? Because most of the time we worry about things that never actually happen. And we, and that actually, I think this actually sets us off into a place where we plan for the worst instead of even planning for the best. So the fear of unknown creates all this anxiety, all this overthinking, and that causes distress. So what do we do? We stop. Like the brain doesn't want that. That's exhausting and uncomfortable. So again, we keep our thermostat set. I've seen it also creates that fear of the unknown, creates a lot of avoidance behavior. Many people avoid taking risks or stepping out of their comfort zone because of that fear of the unknown. And, that, and that's unfortunate because we just avoid it altogether. So this has never been my issue, but I've seen this in a lot of people where it's like they really want to go for that thing but then it becomes too big and they get too scared and there's too much unknown. So what do they do? Well, they just avoid it altogether. Talk about keeping your thermostat in place. I talked a little bit about procrastination. I think the, that's the other thing I see. Um, and I think busy people are often great procrastinators because they're doing a lot of stuff, but they're not doing the stuff that actually is going to move them forward and up the thermostat. So be careful of being that. 
So that fear of the unknown is really powerful. I think a lot of negative self-talk, and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, happens. I think the brain can generate unbelievable amounts of self-talk, a negative self-talk and self-doubt, especially when it's facing uncertainty. And that undermines our confidence, our motivation. Pay attention to the signs. If anxiety and overthinking are setting in, if you're finding that you are doing some avoidance behavior or procrastinating or that negative self-talk comes in, or maybe even as confirmation bias for you, maybe you're only seeking out information that confirms, right, that the uncertainty and the fear and all that should be avoided. And it becomes a self-reinforcing cycle of anxiety and limiting perspective, and it keeps you in place. Confirmation bias is like, you know what, 75 is good for you. You should stay here. And let me show you all the reasons why and validate that thought. That's confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is seeking information and input that validates what you already believe. So be careful, be mindful of that anxiety, of that avoidance, of that procrastination, that negative self-talk and that confirmation bias. So before I move on to the mental traps, I just want to sum this up a little bit and say that, think about your thermostat. What is it set to? And how is that impacting your beliefs, your actions, your behaviors, and the outcomes that you've gotten over the years. And where is that fear of hard work, trying to avoid that pain of discipline? Where is that setting in? And where's the fear of unknown, the anxiety and overthinking and avoidance, procrastination, negative self-talk and confirmation bias? Where is that keeping you at a thermostat level you don't want to be at? So let's dig in even more, I want to talk about the mental traps that keep us in place. As the title of this podcast alludes to, the brain betrays us. The brain is an amazing, tricky, magical thing. We understand so much about the brain, and yet talk to any neuroscientist and they'll tell you there's still so much to learn. So I want to talk about three ways that the brain absolutely sabotages us with mental games, mental residue, and mental sewers. And let me explain what each of these are. So mental games is that negative self-talk. So here's what mental games are. So we all have this primal brain inside of us. And this primal brain is responsible for keeping us safe, for keeping us comfortable. It's what sets off our fight, flight, or freeze response. It was, it's what makes us react emotionally before our higher thinking sets in. How many of you have been in a situation, maybe it's a conversation where someone says something to you and it totally sets you off and your response is totally over, uh, what am I trying to say? It's just totally disproportionate to what they said. I had that once, by the way, in a meeting where uh, I was presenting an idea to my boss and there were a couple other people in the room and someone, I, I, I would say they were trying to shut it down, but that's fine, right? They asked a really challenging question. I had the answer, but instead my primal brain took over and I got all defensive and I was like, I can't believe you're asking me that. This is totally ridiculous. How dare you? You are attacking me. Oh my God. It was so ridiculous. What was happening? Well, my brain was playing games with me. My primal brain was set off. Right, I was in fight, flight, or freeze. So mental games is our primal brain playing tricks on us. And it is that negative self-talk in your head that says, it'll never work. They'll never go for it. You can't possibly go after something this big. Hey, you've got bills to pay. Don't even think about it. Um, you are not the person to make this idea a reality. Somebody else is better suited for it. Whatever your brain says, that's a mental game. That's your primal brain talking. 
So here's a little trick I've learned that has been very powerful for me over the years. It is simply this, to name your primal brain. I know that sounds ridiculous, but go with me for a moment. My primal brain, his name is Bernard. Sorry for anybody who is named Bernard, has a friend named Bernard, a brother, a dad, whatever, sorry. But his name is Bernard. And sometimes I need to ask Bernard, like, hey, Bernard, why are you getting so riled up right now? Bernard, why are you being so loud and shouting in my ear how, you know, I'm not the right person and how they're, they don't think I'm smart and oh my God, they can see right through me. Ah, here's the thing. Naming your primal brain creates something called cognitive dissonance. And what that means really is it takes it out of the driver's seat and puts Bernard into the passenger seat. So it's not in control. Your thoughts are actually not you. They're your, your brain, your primal brain, your Bernard playing tricks on you. So sometimes I say to Bernard, not today, Bernard, not going to happen. And I've come to learn that when Bernard is the loudest, when he is yelling at me and giving me all that negative trash, that's actually probably because whatever it is that's in front of me is the thing I should be going after and should be doing. Bernard is a little bit of self-deception. It's our brain playing tricks on us and it self-sabotages us. And it gets us to believe that we're not worthy. We're not good enough. It's not the right time. It gives us everything that's negative. I think Bernard is also the one that loves to play the victim and set that in place. And I know when I'm having moments where Bernard is taking over, because I'll be like, oh my God, if only that person would act differently. Why are they doing this to me? Whatever it is inside, that's just Bernard talking. And I've learned to be like, uh, no, Bernard, I'm in control and I'm accountable. Now for me, interestingly, I'm a really, probably an overly accountable person. Let me give you an example. And this is kind of how I think about it. Years ago, I was flying to Israel. And by the way, thoughts and prayers to our family and friends out there. That's a different podcast for another time. I was flying to Israel on an airline called El Al. That's the Israeli airline. And the pilot, we had hit lightning. And you could feel it. It lit up the plane. Not, no damage, but it lit up. But what I loved is the pilot got on the speaker and said, uh, I hit lightning. I apologize if this was scary, but I hit some lightning. We are all good. And I remember back then thinking to myself, did he just take ownership of the fact that lightning came out of the sky and hit our plane? Oh my gosh, that's the type of person I want to be. I want to be highly accountable for everything in my life. And granted, I can't always, like, I can't control everything, but I can control how I respond, how I perceive it, what I do next. And so can you. Bernard would have said, oh, can you believe that lightning hit us? Oh my God, we are the most unlucky group of of people in the air ever, right? That's the victim. Bernard plays the victim. So I tend to be on the opposite side, but I know when Bernard's getting a little riled up because I hear him talking in that language and I don't let him take over. But for you, if that's you, we all have him, just pay attention. So go name your Bernard because this is just mental games that we have to learn to overcome. Now you can't get rid of Bernard. He's hardwired into you. That primal brain is part of who we are, right? It's part of our human design and for good reason. But in today's world, it also plays a lot of tricks on us. So I really encourage you, name your Bernard and then put him in the passenger seat or her, whatever name you, you give him. 
And then obviously I'll share a little bit about Bernard and the overly caffeinated community. And if you've got a name for yours and you're on there, you're one of the people who've already joined, go put the name there of yours or get some inspiration from other people of what they name their Bernard. People all over the world, by the way, know Bernard because I talk about him in almost every keynote, every workshop, in every meeting. Like Bernard has now become famous, but he is not in control. So one of the mental traps, a big one is the mental games. And that's our primal brain playing tricks on us. So the second one is maybe one of my favorites because it's almost the easiest to solve. And that is mental residue. Here's what I mean. When we go from task to task, to meeting, to task, to this thing that's stressing us out, to that thing that's stressing us out, to this big to do, to that little to do, to this, to that, to that stimulus, to this, you get the point. That's what most of our days look like. What we end up doing is creating this mental residue that we carry around because we've never given ourselves a chance to close out or complete the thing we're working on to move on to the next. So with every task to task to meaning to task, we're leaving open loops in our brain, unresolved issues, unresolved conversations, things we didn't get to, all those open loops in our brain create mental residue. And that mental residue is heavy. So over an entire day, think how much mental residue you're carrying around. It's a little bit like having a hundred apps open on your phone and then wondering why your battery gets so low so fast or why you're having a hard time focusing or why you're having a hard time making decisions. Well, it's because that mental residue is in there. And when that mental residue is in there, it's very hard to have clarity. It's hard to have vision and it's hard to figure out how to get past what's right in front of you to get to that vision Again, keeping you in place, making it hard to change. It's your brain fucking with you once again. So here's what I like to do. I like to take breaks. So research has shown that the brain needs about five to seven minutes between tasks to kind of clean out, clear out, and then move on to the next. So I like to take five to seven minutes movement or meditation breaks. So let's say, like, in fact, right now, after I record this podcast, while it's kind of downloading and doing its thing, I will walk off and just kind of take a quick walk around the block super fast. And then I'll get back to the next thing, which is a actually a presentation, a PowerPoint that I need to put together for a client. And then I'll take another five minutes and then I'll go do something else. I will not check emails. I will not put on TikTok. I will not have stimulus because that doesn't count, right? That's still inputting. But that mental residue is hard because we carry it around all day long and it's heavier and heavier and heavier. And then by the end of the day, we're tapped out. We have all these tabs open. Our battery gets low fast. It's hard to change. It's hard to move forward when our brain is heavy and exhausted. I mean, I can almost visually see it. The brain's getting heavier and heavier and heavier as we go through the day. Now, imagine for a moment, you've got a week, a month, a year, a life of mental residue of shit that you just never cleared out before you got to the next thing. And people always say to me tomorrow, I don't, I don't have 10 minutes between meetings. I go from meeting to meeting. I have no time to think. So here's my suggestion to any of you who work in teams or in companies. Make your meetings 20 minutes long or 50 minutes long. You'll fill the time you have. Believe me, you won't miss the 10 minutes. So if your meetings are typically 30 minutes, book them for 20. If your meetings are typically 60, book them for 50. You get the point. Give yourself and the people around you a chance to get rid of the mental residue. It's not actually hard. It just needs to be done. And you could do five push-ups. You could walk around your kitchen. You could get another cup of coffee. You could move around the block. You could dance. Doesn't matter. The point is 
give your brain a chance to get rid of that residue and move on to the next thing. When our brains are heavy, we lack clarity. We lack vision. It's hard to move up and out when we have all that residue weighing us down. So the last one of, and the mental traps, which is really important, is mental sewers. Here's the mental sewers. This is, think of our brain as a landscape. And this is the really, really deep paths that have been carved out in our brain over time because of habitual routines, behaviors, thoughts, habits, right? That keep us in these tracks. Now our brain loves it because it makes us efficient. The deep, deep groove is already there in your brain to believe something, to do something, to think about things in a certain way. So your brain doesn't have to think. It wants to be efficient. The problem is, and the reason I call these sewers is because they're often filled with shit. And that shit might have served you 10 years ago, but it doesn't serve you today. Have you ever noticed when you go to make a habit routine, how much work it takes and how easily you jump ship? So recently I went back to tracking my macros. So that's basically tracking my protein, my fat, and my carbs. And because I know that if I hit certain numbers every day, I'll be fit. I'll lose the weight I want to lose. I'll have more energy. I'll feel better. I'll gain more muscle, all the things that I'm looking for. And I've done this before. It's why I even, I know this works. I did this for two years of my life and then stopped. And I think it's been three years since I did, I've done it. And so Monday I started strong. Tuesday, I was going well. By Wednesday, I had stopped tracking. And it was like the habit was like out of sight, out of mind. And then Thursday, I woke up and was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to track on Wednesday. And then by Friday, I wasn't doing it. And then I had to start all over again. I share that because even when it's the right habit to change to, that you know is going to be better for you, that's going to up your thermostat, it's still sometimes hard to do because those mental grooves are so deep. The way I was doing things in the kitchen is the way I've, all, I've been doing them for three years. And now I'm asking to go back to a different habit that's better for me, but still is a different habit. Here's another way to think about this and why it can be hard is think about your thoughts, your habits, your routine, your, your mental sewers. Think of it as a path up a mountain. And that path has been carved out over years and years and years of doing it the way you've done it, thinking about it the way you think about it, building the habits that you have today. And those habits, by the way, they can be health and fitness. They can be personal success, professional success. It's all of those things, right? It's how we do things. There's a lot that is dictated by our subconscious level, not even at our conscious thought. So that path has been carved out over years and it's a pretty easy path up the mountain. It may not be the fastest path. It may not be the best path for you, but it's there and it's carved out and you know it and you've done it a million times and you know it's gonna get you somewhere. And suddenly you're saying, all right, well, now I wanna get all the way to the top of that mountain, which this path doesn't quite go to, right? Maybe it stops at a plateau somewhere. And you're like, all right, but in order to do that, I got to I got to carve out a new path on this mountainside. And you're carving out this path and it's kind of hard and you got to think a little bit differently and you got to remove some obstacles along the way and maybe venture into some territory you haven't, haven't ventured into yet. So what do you do? You look over and you see that other path that you built over the years and you're like, well, that looks easy. I'm just going to jump back over there for a little while. And that's what happens, right? And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. So those mental sewers are deeply ingrained in our brains. And they are paths have been set from years and years of doing it the way we've always done it. And they're full of shit. 
That's why they're sewers. That's why they don't serve us. Some do, but for the purposes of what we're talking about today and how the brain betrays us, they absolutely do not. So I share this with you because I want you to think about how important it is to really be intentional and to be hyper-focused on the new habits you want to create. So you know you want to create these new habits. You know these new habits are the things you're going to need to do to get you to that new place, to up your thermostat, get you to the top of that mountain, but they're different than what you've always done. So first of all, give yourself some grace. Know that you don't just go from one habit that's a sewer, right, that is deeply ingrained in your brain to a new one overnight. It just doesn't work that way. We need to really know that it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to take effort and it's going to make us think differently and it's maybe even going to be exhausting. But over time, we build the habit. Um, I, I've talked about it before because, you know, I'm a CrossFit junkie. I go to the 5 a.m. class. I have for years. I took a little bit of a break in between to um, we'll have a surgery, but then also to pursue other sports. And now I'm back to my favorite thing in the world. But guess what? When I first started going at 5 a.m., do you know how hard that was for me to get up? Oh my gosh. That was, oh my God, that was like 10 years ago now. But it wasn't part of my identity yet that I'm a 5 a.m. fitness person. It wasn't part of my habits. The sewers that I had in me were like, you need sleep. You need rest. You're too old for this. Um, this is not how you do things. Hit the snooze button, Tamara. That was Bernard. Go ahead, Tamara. Hit the snooze button. Nobody will know. So I had to really work, really work on breaking that habit and building new ones. So be careful of those mental, mental sewers that are pushing stuff through your brain and through your mind that don't serve you. It takes time and it takes persistence. Okay, to, so to sum up the mental traps part, the first one is mental games. And that's Bernard leading the way. Don't forget to go tell me what your Bernard is named on the overly caffeinated community. I cannot wait to hear what you name him or her. But first is Bernard, right? And the tricks of negative chatter that it plays that hold us back. The second is mental residue. So the weight that ends up on our brains that make us exhausted and tired and unfocused. Hard to be visionary and push forward when that's the case. And then the mental sewers, those habits and routines that carved out paths of shit in your brain that are pushing bad beliefs or old beliefs that don't serve you anymore. Maybe they did at one time when you need new ones and that you got to jump out of those deep grooves and create new ones. And that takes time, it takes persistence, it takes commitment, and it takes recognition that that's how you're going to do it. Now, the last thing I just, I want to sum all this up by saying what surprised me the most really about myself and some of the other people that I talked to is, you know, we always think that fear of failure is the thing that holds us back. I bet if I asked you, what is it that you fear? You probably say fear of failure. And that might be true. But what I've come to realize is that the biggest fear that holds us back and the brain messing with us is fear of success. Fear of success actually manifests as self-sabotaging behaviors, imposter syndrome, self-doubt, reluctance to step up or step into a leadership role or pursue that idea. It comes from a place of deep-seated beliefs about unworthiness or undesirability. It influences our decision-making. It prevents us from seizing opportunity. So this fear of success, let's go back to our thermostat for a minute. If it's set at 75 and your opportunity, like the one I shared with you in the beginning, is an is a opportunity that's up at a thermostat of 95, you might sabotage it a little bit or not go after it. Fear of change. Um, really, success has changed. Just like failure has changed, success has changed change because if we're successful 
We have to do things in a whole new way. We have to operate in a whole new way. We have to be in a whole different way. So when you think about fear and what holds you back, think about that fear of success too. And if that's plaguing you and if your brain is betraying you in any way. Okay, wow. We have covered so much in this podcast. This is one of my favorite, favorite topics to cover because I think there's so much to it that we don't even realize. And our brain is just betraying us all over the place. It's like I said, it's so magical and so frustrating all at the same time. So think about your thermostat. Think about that fear of hard work. Just I'm going to give you that quote because it makes me so happy. We all must suffer one of two things, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. I've learned that I want the pain of discipline. We have this fear of the unknown, which creates all this anxiety and avoidance and procrastination. Then we have these mental traps, the negative self-talk, the mental games, the heaviness of the residue, the, the paths in our brains that keep us doing things a certain way, mental sewers. And then we've got this fear of success. Now, if you're thinking, Tamara, it's hopeless. All this is happening in my tiny little brain. And like, how am I supposed to up my thermostat if all this is happening? Well, do some of the things that we talked about in this podcast and really think about what your thermostat is set to and why. Why is it set to it? Dig, dig, dig about why those things are in your head. I think simply by thinking about your thermostat, why it is the way it is, and how you can change some of the behaviors, habits, beliefs, and actions to up it, that you'll start to see that brain betrayal going down and down. And I'm just going to say it, name your primal brain. That cognitive dissonance, that kind of separation of you and that BS is unbelievably powerful. So do that. I'll see you in the Overly Caffeinated community. Tamara, out.